Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast. Today's topic can be tough for some people because it is all about fertility. And if you have ever struggled with miscarriages or being able to conceive, then this is definitely the podcast you want to be listening to because our guest today is a nutritional therapy practitioner from the Palm Desert area, and she empowers women and couples to improve their fertility with nutrition, lifestyle, and consciousness. She has been in the health and wellness industry for 16 years, is a miscarriage survivor, a spirit junkie, life enthusiast, and a single mom to her son, Owen. She can be found online at onlinefertilitycoach.com and cruising through the San Jacinto Mountains soaking up vitamin D and living each day like there's no tomorrow. Please welcome Lindsay Dam to our show. Hey, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Can you go um, into detail a little bit about your background with fertility? I know that you had a miscarriage yourself, so can you talk about that experience for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, basically had, was like totally ready to have kids. I went off birth control and actually right after getting pregnant or excuse me, right after going off birth control, I got pregnant and I had that miscarriage when I was about seven weeks along and it was like super traumatic. I lost a ton of blood. They were ready to do blood transfusions and everyone in the hospital while I was sitting there, I mean, it was, it was just like, basically <laughs> they just let you bleed out for like 12 hours when you're in the hospital and, um, very traumatic experience. And all the doctors and nurses, they were, they were wonderful. They were compassionate, but they were like, yeah, this is just normal. It happens all the time. And having been in the health and wellness industry for so long at that time already, I was like, <laughs> really? How is this normal when you're talking about giving me a blood transfusion? Like, I really don't, didn't believe that for thousands of generations, we've just grown up with like, oh yeah, sometimes you just completely bleed out and need blood transfusions as a normal part of, you know, um, reproduction. So that just never really sat easily with me. And, uh, that's actually what catapulted me. It was the catalyst for me going back to school to learn nutritional therapy. It was something that kind of been in the back of my mind, but that was really the life event that set me back on that path. And I actually didn't go back to school specific for fertility issues. That was just the, the, um, uh, kind of like the hair on the camel's back that sent me down on that path. But it was while I was going back to school and learning nutritional therapy that I learned all about fertility and preconception preparation and it like opened up this huge door for me. And all these answers, uh, questions to answers, um, your gosh, I, excuse me, <laughs> all these answers to questions I had just came about like out of the blue and I just had all these aha moments and really was able to identify where a lot of imbalances were in my own body when I thought I was really healthy going into pregnancy to begin with and was able to just give me a lot of insight into my own body. So I was able to heal that. And then 
as I started working more with clients as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I just saw a lot of these same imbalances in people. And um, those were just all kind of like my stepping stones to really niching down and just focusing on fertility. So um, yeah, it was, you know, I think a lot of people go on to their divine paths from, from traumas or incidents that have happened to them. And so that was certainly the story for me. So before we get into the diet diet side of fertility, you had uh, mentioned that you came off of birth control and you were able to get pregnant right away. Is this pretty common for people when they're coming off of birth control? Or for most people, does it take them a while before their bodies are ready to um, become fertile? You know, honestly... Most of my clients that I work with, it actually takes them a long time to be able to get pregnant. And so for me, that I was one of those rare cases where I was able to get pregnant right away, but I was not so rare in that I was not able to actually maintain that pregnancy. So even for the, you know, few people that are, were like me, able to get pregnant, the egg quality isn't there, the environment isn't there to really support a pregnancy, so most people are going to lose that. But yeah, to answer your question, most of my clients that I work with actually have a really hard time getting pregnant after birth control. And I will also say too, I, for like the last six months I was on birth control, I had a period every two weeks. It was super annoying. So, you know, looking back now is a huge sign to me like, yeah, I was all sorts of out of balance and was my body was not ready to support a pregnancy. So, and that's why I did end up having the miscarriage as a matter of fact. So, so when you first go on birth control, do they tell you that when you come off of it, it could take a while before you get pregnant or is that something that's assumed? You know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's assumed and they say, you know, just go on birth control until you're ready to get pregnant and it might take your body a couple months to balance out after you go off birth control. But uh, there's that's really the only talk about it. So um, there isn't any talk as to what it actually does from a nutritional standpoint, deficiencies it causes in nutrients that are vital to fertility and kind of this hole in your fertility foundation, so to say, that being on birth control does create. And especially if you're on birth control for, you know, 10, 15 years, like a lot of my clients are. So when you're talking about deficiencies from uh, birth control, what are some of the common deficiencies that you've seen in your practice? Well, one of the most common deficiencies that we see is vitamin B6. A lot of the B vitamins do become deficient from on, from uh, birth control, but B6 is one of the big ones and in as far as the amount and what it does for fertility. So uh, B6 is really important for the absorption of B12, which is also really important for fertility, but even more so for fat metabolism and why that's so important is that sex hormones are made from fats so if you don't have b6 you're not going to have your sex hormones so that's really really crucial and important and b6 is also used for your stomach acid and breaking down your foods and the body's really going to prioritize 
what little b6 it does have left and that unfortunately for reproduction is going to go to stomach acid because we're constantly eating food and breaking down so it's going to have a higher level of importance so upping your b6 is going to be super important b12 as i mentioned too is another really important uh vitamin that is depleted with birth control usage and that's also really important for fat metabolism along with protein and carbohydrates so those building blocks for building tissue we really really need that and it also is going to aid with folate in the synthesis of um, creating your myelin sheath so for the nervous system that's really really important and folate is one that's often talked about for pregnant women to take, but it's really important for people trying to conceive and who have been on birth control because it is also another one of those nutrients that birth control depletes. So focusing on getting that in, not just, you know, thinking about it for pregnancy terms, but for preconception is really important too. And then a few other nutrients that are really important to focus on because they get depleted from birth control is zinc. And zinc is oftentimes more considered as being important for male fertility, for sperm quality and for morphology and motility, but it's also really important for female fertility as well. And then also vitamins C and E. So those are really gonna help with the adrenal glands and a hormone balance. And they're also gonna help with uh, being building blocks for collagen and all the little pieces that go together to make a tiny little human. So they're also gonna support <laughs> neurotransmitters and, and other organs along the way, your liver and breaking down old hormones and maintaining all that balance. But but those are just some of the uh, the important um, uses for for you know fertility and as I said, growing a tiny little guy, so or girl. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, male fertility, which is something that you don't really hear talked about, even though it is the other side of making a baby, right? Absolutely. So can you talk about the importance of the males taking care of themselves as well? Absolutely. And that is such an important and such a great question. So if you think about it, you know, man and woman, they're equally responsible for the health of the child and not just after baby's born, but for conception as well. So we know that numbers of sperm and, you know, people talk, men talk about their swimmers a lot, uh, but the nutrients and the quality of the sperm, that's all going to affect how well they're going to be swimming they're either going to be michael phelps's or they're going to be like scott hamilton's you know trying to twirl when they should be swimming super fast so um so the men taking care of yourself is going to give you those michael phelps swimmers they're going to swim super fast they're going to be able to swim straight and you're going to have a lot of them rather than just a few of them and something that's not talked about when you go to a conventional fertility doctor for male fertility is sperm fragmentation. And there are tests you can do to actually check out how fragmented your sperm is. And it's, it's really 
actually quite fascinating. And so we can see with numbers, if a male has, you know, maybe they're like 60% fragmented, that means that basically like 60% of their chains or their links are broken. So by they've done tests that show that after like 12 weeks of really changing their diet, taking care of themselves, making sure they're eating right and, you know, not putting a bunch of junk in their body, not smoking, not drinking too much, that actually repairs those links significantly. So, and a brief mention on smoking too, there are actually studies that show that the male smoking actually increases the chances of a miscarriage more than if the female was smoking. So it's so important guys that you take care of yourselves as well for the health of your sperm and the health of a conception too, because it is, it's, it's not just all the female, um, the female's fault, so to say, because I know a lot of, a lot of women think that it's all their fault and it's not, if there's anything I can convey to people is it, it's, you know, no fertility issues are your fault, but knowing what you can do to help improve your your fertility is is key and that's where you're going to really start and this whole snowball effect of improving your fertility so because we're taught you know we just go to the doctor a lot of girls when we're 15 and they say oh you know you've got bad pms or you know whatever your cramps are so bad here let's put you on some birth control or you know you're on that age where you're getting sexually active and your parents want to put you on birth control and that's just kind of the thing to do so um doctors aren't you know they're not trained in any of this stuff so they really don't know a lot of the nutritional deficiencies that's caused from that um and then and then same for men too you know i mean you're not going and being put on a pill or anything like that but that male fertility aspect really isn't one that's talked about i don't think in my opinion as often as it should be because it so is equal parts male and female and just like you said, um, it's not really talked about on the male side. And a lot of the women always feel like it's their fault when, in fact, there's a ton of studies that have come out that have shown that um, male sperm count in the last 50 years has decreased significantly. Oh, drastically. That, yeah, that's really scary to see. And those are the numbers that we don't hear very often and that we need to start to understand because there is a factor on the male side as well. Absolutely. And in fact, the numbers now uh, for what they consider adequate sperm numbers, and I don't remember off the top of my head what that is, but it's actually below what they called a, a sterile sperm count 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty scary stuff and it's really real. And you have to think, gosh, you know, what's been changing in the last 50 years to make these sperm counts drop so much or even in the last 100 years. There's a reason there's fertility clinics all over the place now. It's a big business. It's a huge business. And, you know, women, I see this, I hear this from my clients all the time. Women will go through hell and back to to get pregnant and have a baby and it's it's i see it i talk to women all the time who are just kind of at their wits end they've spent 30 50 70 thousand dollars 
on IVF treatments and trying to get pregnant. And, um, you know, when I, I use the analogy of a house all the time and in as far as fertility goes, and I, I mentioned briefly the foundation of fertility, which is really, you know, largely a foundation of optimal health for the body. And your doctors are like architects and they, the fertility doctors, they are like amazing at building the second level of your house. But what you take to them, you take to them the foundation in the first level. And if you don't have a really strong foundation or first level of a house, you can spend as much money as you want building the second level of a house. But if that foundation's not there, chances are it's not gonna, it's not gonna stay. And those doctors, I mean, those architects, they'll keep trying six, seven, eight times to build that second level of the house, but it's really up to you to take that foundation um, to them. So, and oftentimes when you do have a really strong foundation, you're not gonna need the, the doctor in the first place, but um, if you are, your chances of success on the first try are, they've done studies on this, 89% chance of success. If you do just 12 weeks of preconception care, get that foundation nice and strong and solid, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of money. And 12 weeks is relatively short compared to a lot of cultures that'll prep you for up to two years before you get pregnant. Absolutely. And those, that's just, um, that particular study, that's one study in particular, um, the foresight study that showed that 89%. And yeah, absolutely. And if you've been on birth control for 15 years and, you know, maybe you go off it and you haven't even gotten your period again, it's going to take you a while. And I absolutely, you know, recommend, especially if that's you or if you have a history of recurrent miscarriages, definitely spending at least six months really just strengthening. You're just like filling in all these holes. So I would absolutely recommend, but yeah, you can make significant strides. And a lot of my clients do in, in just 12 weeks. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So let's talk about building that foundation. What's your first steps in order to create that foundation? The first step is I'm going to look at the diet and I'm going to look at, you know, what people are eating, what they should be eating and what they should not be eating. And I actually, I always like to add in with my clients what they should be eating first before removing things. But um, first and foremost is you do need to eat. <laughs> and a lot of women are concerned about weight and uh, definitely people who have PCOS and uh, a lot of women with PCOS are overweight, certainly not everybody, but that is a big concern. And so they kind of get stuck in that, I don't want to eat because I don't want to gain weight. I want to lose weight mentality. And I absolutely, I just have to say, first and foremost, you do need to eat. And actually eating is what's going to help you balance out your weight the right way, but uh, it's all about eating the right foods. So that being said, a diet high in healthy fats is absolutely a must. So, and healthy fats are ones you get from like avocados and salmon, uh, 
Coconut oil is an amazing healthy fat. Even eggs, eating the whole egg, if it's especially from a uh, pasture-raised chicken, so it's got a ton of great nutrients from grubbing around in grass and eating little bugs and eating, you know, all the all the lovely nutrients that come from some green grass. Uh, that's first and foremost. And again, as I mentioned earlier, your sex hormones are made out of fat. So we want to get those healthy fats. You can also get healthy fats from like flax seeds, chia seeds, uh, raw nuts and seeds, great sources of fats. Um, and then the other thing with fats too is every single cell in the body is encased in a bilayer of fat. So I'm going to say the word fat probably 50 times right now because <laughs> it's just such an important nutrient for fertility. And it's also not just the building block for, um, not just the building block for your sex hormones and what encases every cell in the body, but it's also what's going to help you balance your hormone levels and balance your energy levels. So we use it for so many things in the body. So I'm just going to, um, really kind of hit the nail on the head with that eating healthy fats and, uh, balancing hormones is all comes down a lot of times also to your energy levels and sustaining healthy energy levels through sustaining a healthy blood sugar balance. And again, you're going to get that from eating healthy fat. So can you talk now, about some unhealthy fats? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. So unhealthy fats are going to be ones you get from like eating fried foods, from eating things that are made with vegetable oils, canola oils, one that's really widely used and is unfortunately a very unhealthy fat. So also your like cottonseed or your safflower oils. When you look at the backside, if you read the ingredients on a package of chips, so to say, and it says, you know, some sunflower, safflower, or cottonseed oil, or soybean oil. Would, and it's basically whichever one they could get that day. It was the cheapest oil that the company could get that day. And those are super inflammatory. So they're going to really cause inflammation in the body and drive your hormonal balance even more out of whack. So that's really important, particularly for women that have endometriosis or any kind of inflammatory condition, because that's just going to make it worse. So some other, uh, nutrients that are really important to eat to promote your fertility are going to be some dark leafy greens, just a wide array, a nice colorful array of vegetables. And then also, I really like to have my clients start incorporate some organ meats and some particularly like beef liver or some heart or get some pate, which is a, it feels like kind of a luxurious, you know, treat, but it's so nutrient dense and a lot of the nutrients that are depleted from birth control. So it's a really great way to supplement that and get yourself some really good fat at the same time. And then other foods that are really important to make sure you're not getting in your diet when you're trying to get pregnant or you're trying to prepare your body for pregnancy. And this is something that I really emphasize 
even more of getting these foods out of your body than really getting in the healthy foods is get rid of foods that have food coloring get rid of processed foods you know that maybe you just need to add hot water to or whatever those foods are going to deplete you even further in nutrients they're actually a nutrient deficient food meaning that your body is going to be using its own nutrient source to process those foods and it's going to leave you more empty than if you hadn't eaten that food at all. So those are some things that are really, really important to just make sure you're not getting. And fried foods, as I mentioned earlier, goes into play with that as well. And I'm going to go ahead and just kind of <laughs> um, be the stickler and I know everyone's on the gluten-free or grain-free kick right now and I am totally in support of that for a lot of reasons. Uh, I definitely recommend at least going gluten-free. If you are going to have grains, make sure you're doing some whole grain gluten-free grains. But the, you know, glutinous grains like wheat and barley and rye they are super high in their sugar load on your body and that's one of the things that really drives your hormones out of whack and out of balance so if bringing your hormones back into balance is really really important and if you know that your hormones are out of balance avoiding grains is going to be really beneficial for you and you can get some of those starchy carbohydrates that you'd be missing from like sweet potatoes or root vegetables that's a very healthy way to get those dense carbohydrates into your diet if you're someone that really needs those um, and then the other reason apart from the blood sugar load and the impact on your hormonal levels is the way that those grains are grown they're grown most often than not with glyphosate or they've been exposed to it and that messes with your gut flora and all the good bacteria in your body and having those good bacteria those probiotics in your body is absolutely critical for all aspects of your health so those are some of the big reasons why i really steer my clients away from relying on grains in their diet so then after you switch over the diet, how long uh, do you actually take to switch over the diet? I meet my clients where they are. Everyone's at a different starting point, but I basically take them through like four to six weeks where we, we do about three things a week. So I'll have them add some things in and I'll have them take away. So it's a gradual process. So you don't do it overnight. I absolutely know. And you know what? That just doesn't feel good, no matter who you are, <laughs> even for myself. You know, I've been a nutritional therapy practitioner for five years. I'm even when I make changes in my diet, I don't do it overnight. I mean, let's face it, nobody wants to do that. So, and it just makes it harder and it makes it more overwhelming. It's like having a giant to do list, right? It's never going to get done. But if you break it up into smaller little, you know, several small to-do lists over a few weeks, then you'll get that, you know, all that stuff done. So yeah, it's definitely not. And for me, I actually, for the last two weeks of changing everything over, 
And the reason I, this is the reason why I said about four to six weeks is because the last two weeks, I really put them through um, a special diet to help them reset their hormonal balance. So I just included that into the whole switch over. But yeah, it all depends on where everyone's starting from. But I don't ever start my, you know, hormonal reset diet and before three weeks. Because regardless, you're making changes and even small changes are hard and you know, it, it takes a little bit of time and mental preparation and, and just feeling better. And the thing is, is within the first week of making even just small shifts, every single one of my clients starts to feel a lot better. And that really builds that momentum so that you are going to be more excited and, and, you know, encouraged and motivated to make more changes. So uh, you mentioned hormones being out of balance. Could you give a couple signs for uh, hormones that would be out of balance and how would I know if mine are out of balance? Absolutely. So there are several signs and for women, you know, some of them might be like your typical common PMS symptoms or mood swings, uh, which certainly are signs, but there's a lot of other signs of hormonal imbalance that a lot of people aren't necessarily aware with. So you can stop me if I go too long because <laughs> there's several. <laughs> and and I do want to also say that if you have one of these, it doesn't absolutely mean that your hormones are out of balance. But if, you know, if you've got a few of these or if there's something that just hasn't been going away, no matter what else you've been working on, this could absolutely be the underlying factor in that. So anxiety and irritability are certainly signs of hormone balance, hormone imbalance, excuse me, um, weight gain or even weight loss, but particularly weight gain in specific areas of your body. Like if you have stubborn belly fat that no matter what you eat, no matter how much you work out, no matter what you do, just doesn't go away. You can do a thousand crunches a day and you're still going to have some stubborn belly fat. That's a very telltale sign of, in particular, cortisol imbalance. Um, constipation or diarrhea can be signs of hormonal imbalances. They really relate to the thyroid. Um, excessive sweating, and this is one that I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize is hormone related, and that can actually also be really related to birth control use. Um, so excessive sweating is definitely one to take a look at, especially if you've been doing birth control for 10, 15 years and you tend to sweat as soon as you do one dribble with the basketball. I would take a look at that. Um, cravings and cravings aren't always a sign of a hormonal imbalance, but if you've got a few of these things, again, I would put that in there. Sleep issues, either insomnia or sleeping like 12 hours a night and still feeling really dog tired and then moving right on into chronic fatigue as well. So, and then there's also just a few, um, digestive issues along with constipation and diarrhea could be bloating or flatulence, um, or even nausea. So a lot of things that you might not normally think of as being hormone related can be. So as a male, if my hormones are out of balance, does that factor into it as well? Absolutely. We don't get Absolutely. a pass? 
<laughs> no, no, no. Remember, 50% responsibility. <laughs> and because if you think about it, you know, your hormones are responsible for sperm production too. So if your hormones are out of balance, you know, you might not be producing enough sperm. Um, you might pr be producing too much sperm of poor quality. So yeah, it's absolutely going to play a role for you as well. You do not get a pass on that one. <laughs> or, or if we're stressed out, then it's really hard to get it up. So that's a big factor too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And decreased libido for a male or a female can um, certainly be a huge, a huge sign that something's going on. So are there any environmental factors that may also inhibit the endocrine function? Absolutely. And these are um, not so lovingly nicknamed endotoxins. So a lot of chemicals in our environment, in our home environment that we might not even be aware of, uh, in body care products, and just in common everyday products. So plastics are... They're typically the ones that I always attack first. So um, plastic water bottles, even if they're BPA-free plastics, there's actually studies that have been coming out that show that BPA-free plastics might actually be disrupting your endocrine system even more than plastics with BPAs in them. So first things first, you know, switch out your water bottle. If you don't have a Hydro Flask yet, go invest 20 bucks and get yourself a Hydro Flask. They're amazing. I have several of them and I'm always gifting them to people because it's just the best thing ever. So especially if you live in an area where you are, where you have a lot of cold, you can keep, keep your fluids warm. And then where I am, there's a lot of heat. So it's nice to be able to keep them cooler. Um, but what happens when plastics are exposed to heat, it breaks down and releases the chemicals and you're going to absorb those. So, you know, even I have people say, well, I keep my plastic water bottles in the fridge and that might be so, but you know, when you, or excuse me, when those plastic water bottles were filled, they were then put on a ship and shipped like Fiji water bottles, right? Beautiful, gorgeous Fiji water puts on a ship and, you know, sitting outside and is exposed to who knows what heat, you know, that's not, they're not temperature controlled. So even before you've got them, you've bought them at the store where they might've been chilled, where wherever you bought them in the refrigerated section, they've already been exposed to so much heat before. So I really don't trust that. Um, and then also in your kitchen, you know, if you're using any plastic Tupperware, you certainly want to make sure that Tupperware is not getting heated. So try, you know, switching to some glass storage containers if you can, or, you know, piecemeal some out, you know, if you find some, you know, Pyrex, Tupperwares that are on clearance or something, you can kind of start to gradually move those out or use mason jars. I use mason jar for food storage all the time. It's great and all stacks nicely in the refrigerator as well. Um, so there's plastics um, covered, the water bottles, and then again, anything that's heated. I try to avoid plastics altogether, but if you're looking around and you've got plastic everywhere, 
I would start with the things that are going to be going in your body first and just start moving away from those. Um, other things like a lot of air fresheners, scented candles, unless they're scented with essential oils, they're um, scented with synthetic chemicals that we know cause all sorts of issues, particularly for the endocrine function. They're actually going to block your endocrine glands from being able to receive and send uh, hormonal messages. So real simple to switch over to just using some essential oils or burn some incense or some sage or something like that for air fresheners. And then in your body care products, um, a lot of parabens and phthalates and phthalates are that funny word it's p-t-h-a-l-a-t-e-s those are some really common chemical ingredients there are a ton more but those are just some of the real common ones that we find everywhere so body care products do not require labeling so what i've basically found as a safe rule of thumb is if the company withholds what the ingredients are on the box when you're at the store looking at labels, chances are it's gonna be one that's full of chemicals that are gonna be blocking your endocrine system. So opt for one, a company that's, you know, willingly putting the ingredients on there. And that's usually a much safer route to go. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about um, like self-care products and makeup and stuff because the skin absorbs so many different toxins and nutrients that we don't really think of that when we're putting on these different products. Absolutely. And the skin's the largest organ in the body and it, it absorbs and it also excretes too. So, you know, it's living and breathing tissue. So it's really, really important to be really mindful about what we're putting on our skin and what we're exposing it to. Do you have any particular brands that you really like? Yeah, you know, I honestly, I use coconut oil for a lot of stuff for my skincare. I mean, once I really started cleaning up my body care products, it was like all of a sudden I had all this room in my bathroom cupboard <laughs> because coconut oil took the place for a lot. I love using it for a uh, just an all over lotion and put it in my bath water when I take a bath. Um, I use it for some oral care. Uh, it's not the only oral care that I use, but, uh, so any kind of organic coconut oil is going to be great. It's also great for after sun, really, really great for after sun. It does have some natural SPF in it too. So depending on where you live, might be some adequate SPF. Back when I was in, lived in Portland, worked really well. And for most of the year, that's just what I use for SPF. So that's one thing you can use. Um, it's not necessarily a brand, but it's cer certainly a great product you can use. Beauty Counter does a lot of makeup products and they are not 100%, but they're very forthcoming and they actually do a lot of work with the legislature on labeling. They have awesome, awesome makeup products 
Crunchy Mamas is also a company out of the Salem, Oregon area. And one of my clients actually discovered them when she went through all of her body care products and discovered these guys. They have all sorts of uh, lotions and balms, and I believe they have makeup care products as well. And then also for makeup, and this is what I use personally, is Juice Beauty. Um, they have a, I, I, since I switched over to them, I love them. There's several other companies out there. Um, I know a lot of people use the, uh, products from, uh, Inessa. Have you heard of them? Oh no, I haven't heard of them. They're all organic and pure, like herbal ingredients in them. So they've got good line of stuff as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it really, I, I was on a forum recently where we were having this, this discussion and the word performance makeup came into play from actually an NTP who's a makeup artist. And I had never heard that term before, but she, she was actually saying this about beauty counter was it's a, it's a perf high performance makeup. So oh, I am fascinating. If, yeah, I was really fascinated at that too. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I think if, if you're going to be um, doing some like type of modeling or, you know, you have a photo shoot or you're doing a lot of video and you need, you know, more of a, a higher quality makeup that's not just going to rub off. I've used a lot of my mineral-based makeups, you know, halfway during the day if I'm using them all day, I need to reapply. But uh, yeah, so the the performance makeup there, I know Beauty Counter got the go-ahead for that and being much cleaner than a lot of your other um, typical uh, makeup products. So there was, there is one, and I think it's called, um, it's like Primal Paste or something like that. It's a paleo brand. They, it's Primal something, and I'm, spacing on top of my head. I've sampled them before. They were fantastic. 100% clean. There's a lot of companies out there that, and there's a lot more that are starting to pop up. So even if you just do a Google search for, uh, you know, prime, even paleo makeup will, will bring up a lot of that too. And again, the companies that are have high integrity that use really clean ingredients, they're going to be very forthcoming in what they're using. So any company where you have to really search for what ingredients are in those products, I would probably stay away from because um, they're typically hiding a lot of stuff that you don't want to be putting in your body. That's so true. We'll put all of these different companies down in the show notes so that if anyone is interested in them, they can... They will know where to go to find them. Um, we are getting short on time, so I do want to go into briefly just some exercises to promote hormonal balance. So what's some yes. exercises that you've found that are really helpful? Really lightweight resistance exercises, particularly things that just use your body weight. So you can do some yoga, some Pilates, even like push-ups. Um, the things that I really don't want my clients to do is to just, you know, say, oh, their doctor told them they need to lose weight before they get pregnant. So they start running five miles a day. That's actually going to throw you more out of hormonal balance. Um, anything where you're just 
constantly pushing your body far beyond its comfort zone. So um, CrossFit, I really like CrossFit for some things, but if you're constantly every day trying to get your, your PR, that's not something I would recommend. You, if you stick to the late, lighter weights at CrossFit, and only maybe every couple of weeks shoot for what you can do for a PR, then that certainly would be okay. But even just 15 to 30 minutes, uh, four times a week of doing some light resistance and avoiding the super intense long distance cardio, that's really going to set you up well for getting your body back into balance in no time. And then once you uh, do conceive, are there any special special exercises that you need to do during that time? Or, you know, I would keep it pretty similar. Honestly, a lot of what you're going to be doing to help you get pregnant is what you're also going to be doing to help maintain a healthy pregnancy. So you know, and once you start, if you're not a runner already. And if you, if you are a runner and you're, you're running 13, 15 miles already, then I would cut back to doing five miles or so. That's still a great workout. So, um, you know, don't worry about going out and, you know, not getting your 10, 13 miles in, um, you know, just cut it back. So you're not putting so much of a strain on your body, but yeah. So getting into when you're pregnant, if you haven't been running before pregnancy, being pregnant is not the time to start running. So, and even your doctors will tell you that as well. You could do something small, but going on walks and doing some of that weight, you're going to need that for labor and delivery. So just continue focusing on that and you're going to feel really, really well. Some of the other workouts that I really love for hormonal balance and during pregnancy, and this is what I did personally, was um, bar workouts. So it was like yoga and Pilates utilizing the balance bar and that was fantastic you really only use your body weight and maybe one one to two pound weights so um, it doesn't sound very strong but <laughs> the workout you get when you do those kinds of exercises is really intense and um, or excuse me not intense in the drive your hormones out of balance way but you're still gonna give yourself a great workout and if you're an athlete you're gonna feel it so you're still getting benefit out of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not like, I mean, it's not like just going for a stroll. If you do a workout like that, you're, you're, you're going to be feeling it and you're going to feel strong as a result. And that's really what we want to feel. That's going to help with your hormone balance and your insulin sensitivity for those who are um, watching their blood sugar levels and who may be insulin resistant or pre-diabetic. Awesome. Lindsay, do you have any final words to uh, the people that are trying to get pregnant? Yes, you can absolutely 100% improve your fertility with diet and lifestyle. And no matter what, you know, frustrations you've had, just, you know, you have so many tools right here that you can start doing in your own home. So, they sound simple, um, and they are, but remember that, you know, small shifts make huge changes. 
So start with that. You will feel so much better within a week or two of implementing just what we've talked about here. And that's a surefire way to know that you're truly starting to transform your body. And you can do that in just 12 weeks. So if you're feeling like you're at a dead end, if you're feeling helpless, I really encourage you to um, know that you're not you're not at all helpless and it's not a dead end for you. So, and people, if people want to talk to me more and find out more about what they can do specifically for their situation, I absolutely invite anyone to contact me. You can book an appointment with me for free. We'll just like map out your whole fertility roadmap. And you can do that by going to onlinefertilitycoach.com slash book. That'll take you right to my schedule and we can learn more and customize a plan out for any for anybody. Um, and yeah, you know, just remember that you're in charge of your foundations and you truly can transform yourself in a matter of weeks. And when you start thinking about, you know, fertility doctors, remember that they're those second story architects. You're in charge of taking down and taking in the groundwork. So um, it it is simple changes make huge shifts. So you, I have absolute faith that you can um, be successful in your journey. Do you have any social media pages that... Uh, people can follow you at? Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at instagram.com slash online fertility coach. And you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash online fertility coach. Perfect. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for coming on to the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. If you want to find out more about Lindsay, go to online fertility coach.com. You can also book a free appointment with her and she will help you map out um, your fertility treatments. If you haven't subscribed to our show yet and you really enjoyed this episode, then go to either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you're listening to and subscribe to our show. And we will see you guys next week. You have been listening to the Summit for Wellness podcast. If you are ready to climb to the peak of your health, visit summitforwellness.com for more information. As you continue on your journey, we hope that you will join us next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.